And have a seat if you would. You know, um, the first value here at the chapel is to depend on God and His Word. We take that very seriously. And, and so because of that, I understand that whether it be your workplace or where you go, sometimes it's not real practical to be carrying around a Bible like this in your pocket. However, most all of us can carry around a Bible like this. So if you don't have a Bible app on your phone, we want to offer you one here at the chapel. It is completely free to you to use. It is called Dwell. You can download it. You can scan the QR code in your welcome program. You can um, uh, just text the word dwell to that number that is also in your welcome program. That'll lead you to set up an account and have your username, password. All of this is free, though, um, because we value you having the Word of God with you because we know that is how we are going to grow to be more like Jesus is by being saturated in His Word. And so if that would be helpful to you, um, is a great resource we're going to start using where we can be sending out through this app like reading plans for you. You can share reading plans with one another, all sorts of different neat things to do on this app. So um, I encourage you, not right this second, but sometime today, to um, download this and, and, and mess around with it a little bit. It's pretty cool. Uh, another thing to make sure you're aware of before we continue is just for those that have been so generous over these past, this past year, um, we have our giving statements for you that will be mailed out the end of January. January 31st, actually, they get sent out. I, I only have one thing to ask. Sometimes at the end of January when we mail those out, I still get people that come to me and say, well, we didn't get ours. And perhaps that is because we don't have the right information for you. So if you wouldn't mind, if you moved or if you changed numbers of, or if something like that happened, would you text the word UPDATE? to this number on the screen, that's also in your welcome program. And when you text that word, it'll lead you into your account with here at the church so that you can update your information. Make sure that we have um, all your current stuff so that we can make sure to get this stuff to you as timely as possible. So help us with that, and we will get that to you the best we can. Last thing I want to make sure you're aware of is the end of this month. Um, the fifth Sunday, which means it's an orange Sunday, so we're going to be focused around kids. On the 29th, we will have a child dedication. If you or uh, someone you know has a child you're interested in being dedicated, or perhaps you just want some more information on what dedication is and why we do it, we have a little information meeting following each service today down in room C2 at the end of the hallway. We can help you get there. Um, so it, that, but that will happen after each service today, just for a few minutes, so we can share a little more with you about child dedication. You know, um, we're celebrating today because you might have noticed, like, there's not as many kids around here as there sometimes is. There, the, the, all the middle schoolers are gone. The fact of the matter is, this weekend at Beulah Beach, 73 of our middle schoolers across our three campuses are, are away on a retreat together. And so we are missing 73 middle schoolers out of this place today. It's incredible that they're, that they're there and they're growing together and they're spending time in God's Word together. Excited to hear stories about that. Also today, it's kind of interesting to me, I think, that 
that on a, on a weekend like this, on Martin Luther King Jr. weekend here, where we celebrate freedom, we celebrate and, and, and we honor a man who fought for freedom, that we are in our series in Galatians where we're looking at what true freedom looks like. And so I thought, you know, I'd love to pray, but quite honestly, I'm going to borrow a prayer if I could. I want to borrow this from Martin Luther King Jr. and his book of prayers. And so if I could begin by just um, sharing his prayer with us today, um, I'd love to do that. So could we pray? Oh God, we thank you for the lives of great saints and prophets in the past who have revealed to us that we can stand up amid the problems and difficulties and trials of life and not give in. We thank you for our foreparents who've given us something in the midst of the darkness of exploitation and oppression to keep going. God, remove all bitterness from my heart and give me the strength and courage to face any disaster that comes my way. Grant that we will go on with the proper faith and the proper determination of will so that we will be able to make a creative contribution to this world. In the name and the spirit of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You know, this is our second week in our series in the book of Galatians. Actually, it is a letter that Paul wrote um, to the Galatians, and it's a letter that is, is surrounded in freedom and what uh, freedom truly means to have from God's perspective. Last weekend, Pastor Joe started in the first chapter of Galatians, the first half of the chapter, and he really focused his thoughts on, on three myths that needed to be debunked. The, the first myth that we debunked was the myth that we can find freedom through secularism. That, that means that we can find freedom through what this world has to offer. If we can just get our hands on it, we'll have freedom. Well, that was false. Myth debunked. The second myth that we debunked was finding freedom through religion. That is, that we can do in order to please God. That, that we can earn something from Him. And that was found to be false. Debunked. The third myth in order to find freedom that, that we found untrue was the myth of people-pleasing, that, that we can live for the approval of others, and once we get everyone around us to be happy, then that means that we will truly find freedom. That was found to be false, too. Instead, what we did find was that we can find freedom through the promise of the gospel. That is God's grace and His mercy that leads to peace and freedom. So to put it in an equation that we saw, it was Jesus plus nothing equals freedom. Now obviously, Pastor Joe said all that way better than I just did, but I wanted just to give us a little refresher on what had taken place. So today, we are going to be in the second half of chapter 1. I would love to read this. You know, if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to Galatians chapter 1. If you um, have an app on your phone you use, please go ahead and get there. And listen, if you need to use a Bible, we always have some in the back of this room. In fact, I would say this. If you don't have a Bible of your own, 
to have at home, I want, I want you to take one of those and use it. It is yours so that you can be following along with us over these weeks as we are in Galatians. So let's look at this. Galatians chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 11. says this. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews and my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at the time was James, the Lord's brother. I declare before God that what I am writing to you is not a lie. After that visit, I went north into the provinces of Syria and Cilicia, and still the Christians in the churches in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. All right, so I know that is a lot to take in all at one time right there. So today, I just want to quick sum that up, then we'll dive in a little bit deeper. Because as we look at this passage, there's really two things happening simultaneously that that we want to focus on. And these two things that we want to focus on are kind of summed up by Pastor Tim Keller when he says this. He said, God revealed Christ to Paul, one, so that he could reveal Christ through Paul. These two things, you see, first what we notice is that Paul is sharing his personal story of, his, of the grace and mercy that he personally found through Jesus Christ that transformed his life. He was given this peace and this freedom that, that he had longed for. But then the second thing was is that he recognized he can't just keep this peace and this freedom for himself. There's too many people that are looking for freedom and peace, often in the wrong places. Then he had the solution. And so he knew that he needed to tell others about what he had discovered. And so we say Christ was revealed to Paul, and then he was revealed through Paul. And God wants to do the same thing through you and I. In fact, I would say this more than anything, if you're in this room and you've often wondered, what does God have for me? What is my purpose here? What is God's mission for me to accomplish in my life? I can say this with confidence, that above everything, God's desire is for you to, one, discover the freedom that you have in Christ that you've been given. But once you do that, God wants you to use that to go out and free other people from sometimes the prisons that they find themselves in through life. They don't have hope. They don't have grace. 
They don't have the freedom that we do, and it is up to us then to give that to them, to tell them about it. So we say it like this, that yes, God's grace and his freedom is for us without a doubt, but it isn't just for us, it is to go through us to others. So these are the two things I want to look at today. And so if it is true that this is for us first, then I want, I want to kind of relook at Paul's story through this lens because he says something interesting when he begins. Listen to what he says again. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning, he says. I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know, every time I read the end of this verse 11, it almost makes me chuckle because Paul is saying to these people and to us, he says, look, this message about Jesus isn't based on mere human reasoning. Uh, Let me put it in terms we understand. He's saying this is crazy. This message is nuts. No one in their right mind would make this up. No one with the most creative mind in the world could come up with this story. It's not possible. And so I even highlight that to say if you're in this room today and you're struggling, truly struggling to say, I don't know if I believe this stuff. I don't know if I believe this story of Jesus. It just seems a little out there. If that's you, then let me tell you, you're not wrong. Paul acknowledges you're not wrong. It's if, think about it. If you're trying to convince someone that God came to this earth and that he came and would be victorious, then you're probably going to paint a picture that looks more like this guy, right? Than like this guy? I mean, I mean let, let's think about it. If you were going to make up a story about God that you want everyone to believe, then you're not going to include some things. You're not going to include that he was born as a human. You're not going to include that he was born in a stable. You're not going to include that he was born to a virgin girl named Mary. You're not going to include that he spent 90% of his life in obscurity, completely unknown by others. You're not going to include that he picked 12 guys to represent him, most of which people would have not even taken seriously to begin with. It's crazy. You're not going to include that this God went to a cross and died for the sins of the people who did him wrong to begin with. And then you're not going to include that he what? That he rose again from a grave three days later? It, it, it's, no one could make this up. It's completely unbelievable. Which is why I tell you this. It's so completely believable. It's completely, don't you see, when Paul says that this is beyond anything that a person could ever think up on her own, what he said was, I wouldn't have believed it either if I wouldn't have seen Jesus face to face for myself. That revelation that he had changed everything. And it takes a story that's completely unbelievable to one that it is completely believable. And Paul wasn't looking for this. It, he wasn't looking for it. He reminds, in fact, the Galatians of, of 
that, that he was set in his beliefs and, and how he lived for God before all this. He said this in verse 13, you know what I was like before I followed or when I followed the Jewish religion. He said how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. He said I was far ahead of my fellow Jews and my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. Paul followed the Old Testament law to the T, which most Jews would have tried to do. And he was good at it. And then he took it a step further and he even picked up the traditions along the way from his ancestors. Paul's zeal was to fulfill these traditions that led him to do things for God that God would have never ever condoned. And so what we see is that that Paul would have considered himself this devout follower of God. But the truth of the matter is, is that, that God was far, far from his heart, or his heart was far from God. He, he didn't get it. it. It didn't make sense to Paul. He, he missed it. However, for Paul and for us in this room, I am happy to declare to you this morning that we serve an amazing God of second chances, a God of forgiveness, and a God of reconciliation and redemption. And I love that because in this next verse, the very first word is the most powerful word in this whole chapter. In fact, if you have your Bible, circle or underline this next word or highlight it in your phone. It is simply this, the word but. This, is, this, this word alone stops us in our tracks because this little, little conjunction it, it, it signals a definitive change in our circumstances. In fact, I love how this pastor, Greg Gilbert, he describes it. He says we use the word but all the time to describe good news in the midst of potentially bad situations. The word but is used for good news in the midst of potentially bad situations. Let me give you an example. Perhaps maybe this has been you or something like it. The doctor said, I have cancer. Bad situation. But, but, here's the good news. It can be treated. Or perhaps for you it was, you know, we got into a car accident or something bad happened. But, here's the word, no one was hurt. Or, or maybe... For you guys in the room, a couple weekends ago, it was this. You know, uh, Michigan beat Purdue in Big Ten Championship, bad news, but, but they lost to TCU in the biggest upset in college history, right? Good news in the midst of bad. For me, um, it was more like this. I went to Toff's Dairy and it was closed, but... But I found a half gallon of the salty caramel fudge truffle left in my freezer. Great news. The word but is powerful. And right before Paul uses this word but, he describes all the horrible things that he does. He describes that, that, that he did all of these things that should have precluded him from any kind of a relationship with God. This should have been the end for Paul. But... But it was just the beginning. It was just the beginning. He said, I violently persecuted God. I violently persecuted the church. I tried to destroy it. But in 15, he says, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. See, Paul refers to God 
choosing and calling him before he was born, which means this, that even though Paul messed up a lot, even though Paul blew it over and over and did horrible things, that means even before that, God had a plan for Paul's life, even before he took his first breath. And when I read these words, I can't help but think of Paul's words to his protege, Timothy, when he said this to him, he said, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. To which I go, was Paul the worst sinner ever to walk the face of the earth? Was he the worst? The answer is no, it was, it's a tie. It's a tie with me. It's a tie with you. And you might go, well, Charles, no, 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 no. I never killed anybody like Paul did. Maybe not, but remember Jesus said we commit murder in our hearts when we hate someone. We see sin isn't always measured by what you do. Sin is measured also by the intentions of our hearts. And spoiler alert, we're all sinners. That's why Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's you and that's me. That's all of us. And as a result of that, we're all in need of God's grace across the board. Because the fact of the matter is at the foot of the cross, we're all on even playing field. All of us. We're all in need of that grace. And that grace and freedom is found fulfilled in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. He, he's the one that reaches down and rescues us. He's the one that gives us freedom. He's the one that gives us grace. It's in him and it's for us. But it's, it's not just for us. There's a part two to this. This grace isn't for us. It's yes, we receive the grace, but then in turn, he called us to share it. He called us to share it through us. So Paul says it this way. He says in verse 15, then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that, I highlighted that up there, so that, actually I would tell you a highlight or circle or underline that in your phones or Bibles because it's that important. So that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. You see, Jesus was revealed to Paul so that he would go and share it with the Gentiles. The Gentiles is another name for people who weren't Jews in Paul's day. It, so that is a clause of purpose. So that is a, a clause of calling. If you're a parent in this room, then you know this clause well because you have used this clause so that so many times with your kids. For instance, let me give you some examples. Like, um, I gave a box of candy to my child so that they would take it to school and share it with their classmates. There was a purpose in doing that. I gave my kid music lessons or drum lessons so that they would in turn join the band and be able to participate. So that, so that is a phrase that always implies that you are to do something with whatever it is that you have been given. And Paul says, look, Jesus has been revealed to me. Why? So that I'll go and share him with others. And that is why he has been revealed to us as well. Paul knew this grace and this freedom was too important to keep to himself. And he knew the rest of his life 
was going to have to be spent sharing it with others no matter what it cost him. And you and I are called to do the same thing. Now, I'm not trying to oversimplify here because I'll admit to you, this isn't easy. I, I will hands down admit, if you're like me, that this can be a lot easier to receive God's grace than it is to give it and to tell others about it. Because, because it's scary. You don't know how someone's going to react. You don't know how someone's going to respond to that message. It's hard. But with that thought, I go back to the myth that Joe busted last week of people-pleasing. Right? In verse 10, remember, it said, obviously I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God, if pleasing people were my goal, I wouldn't be Christ's servant. If I'm living for the approval of others, then then I'm going to keep this message to myself because I want to be liked, because I don't want to upset anyone. Heaven forbid I offend someone, so I just keep it tucked away to myself. But if we aren't living for the approval of others, then we're going to recognize that God has put us where we are, whether it be with our families, in our workplaces, with our friends. He has put us there for specific reasons. And no matter what it costs us, We know in the end that we're sharing this message because we have been given something so great we can't keep to ourselves. We have to share it with others so that they can possess the same freedom and grace that has been revealed to us. So that, so that is powerful. And I can't, I can't help but think how this man, um, truly I didn't really even know him before. His name is Dan Orlovsky. And I saw him on national TV a couple of weeks ago. He is actually a broadcaster for um, the NFL ESPN channel. And, and even if you don't follow football, it's, you probably heard of that guy from the um, Buffalo Bills, DeMar, who had those injuries out on the fields, life-threatening injuries. And for, week, for a week after that, all you heard was, pray for DeMar. Pray for Damar. I saw on my Facebook feed, prayers for Damar, prayers for Damar. The fact is, though, I didn't hear a single person actually pray for Damar. I just heard that we should. And, and I thought, man, I wonder if anyone really is, or if it's just something we say. Until I was watching ESPN, and, I, and this Dan guy, he came on the screen, And he did something that blew me away. I want to share it with you. Check this out. I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And it's just on my heart that I want to pray for him. It is. DeMar Hamlin, right, right, right now. God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad. We're angry. Um, And we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 That just blew me away because 
I don't know the ins and outs of his job, but I imagine it wasn't popular for him to do such a thing. He could have risked his position doing that. He could have risked his, his, his job, his status, sharing Jesus and praying like that on, on national television. And, and it seemed like he just didn't care. He possessed something he wanted to give. And, and I love his prayer. If you've ever wondered how to pray for someone, this is a perfect example. I don't know if you picked up on it as I was listening to him pray. He acknowledged who God was. He acknowledged God's character and the power of prayer. He acknowledged his fear, his concerns to God. And then he told God what we were asking for and what we needed. What an example he gave of how to pray. I, I just blew me away. That when we, when you and I are willing to allow Jesus to work in us and through us, you will not even be able to imagine the things that he is going to accomplish. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a, in a couple of weeks. But after Paul here, he, he tells his readers of his visit with Peter, he says these words starting in verse 21. He says, after that visit... I went north into the provinces of Syria and Cilicia, and still the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy, and they praised God because of me. Now, at first, when you read this, you can maybe make it sound like Paul is being boastful, like, look at me, I am being praised because I am so awesome. That's not Paul's heart here. This isn't what he's getting at. What he's saying here is that they are praising God because my life has been changed. Has he allowed Jesus to transform him from the inside out? And now he is using me to tell others about him. And the same thing can be said of you and me. In fact, I would go as far as to say it like this, that your Oh, excuse me, that your life is the greatest argument for the existence of Jesus. Your life, how you live, says more about Jesus than anything. I can preach Jesus till I'm blue in the face, but how I live my life is going to reflect to people in a greater way. People can't argue with your story. They, they, they can't doubt your story. When you were once this and now you are this, it's undeniable and no one can argue it. In fact, people who don't know Jesus often will step back and go, man, there's something different about them. They're not the same person they once were. Because when your life has been touched by Jesus Christ, it can't be the same. It's impossible. Because he just changes us. So the gospel, yes, it is for us. But it's not just for us. I pray you take that gospel, that, that good news, that freedom and grace you have been given, and you allow him to share it through you today. And I promise you this. When you do, I promise you, your family, your relationships, your job will be changed. I promise you that our community will be changed. I promise you that Norwalk 
will be changed, and I promise you that this world will be changed, all because of the freedom that you have found in Jesus Christ. It is for you, and it is to be through you. Let me pray for you in that today. Lord Jesus, I thank you for such a... um, For such a message as this, I thank you, Lord, that you have revealed yourself to us. May we be amazed by that every single day, Lord. And Lord, because of that, we we should be sharing with others. Lord, it's hard, though. It's hard. So I'm praying even now for courage in that, for strength in that, in those situations when it's difficult to share that with others. Lord, so give us that courage, please. This message is too great to keep for ourselves. So may it change our world, Lord Jesus. In your name I pray and thank you. Amen. Have a great weekend. If you want information on child dedications, stop out and see too after the service.
My heart came alive, came alive for the first time Once a prisoner, but now I'm free And I feel so alive, so alive for the first time Oh, I feel so alive, so alive for the first time
What holds your heart? What stirs your soul? What matters come to mind? The cares you keep, the thoughts you think, it's not all wasted time. Seeking you will find Joy still comes in the morning 